this morning, I'm going to be unwrapping the, uh, the gift of joy here in just a second with you. And we've been talking about hope and love and joy in this season of Advent that leads up to Christmas. And um, I just got to share with you some weird things. This message has been prepared, believe it or not, for a while. Okay, I, Christmas is, is one of my favorite things to prepare and write about. Um, and there are things that are going on with you in this community right now that as I was looking over this this morning, as things were shared with me this morning, um, if you're wondering, yes, this was written directly to you, for you, today, Dean and Genevieve, this was written for you. As you move forward with, with where you guys are headed, I, I pray that you will find joy through this time. Peter, Lorna, four or five months ago, this was written for you, to you. And I pray that you will find joy through this time. Peter found out this morning that his father passed away. And, and through this message, I hope it's encouraging to you because now I know a big reason I wrote it. I could continue to go through this, Greg and Tanya, the unknown that you guys are headed into, where you're going. I pray that this message gives you a foundation, gives you an encouragement. It was written for you. All of you, Tracy and James included. As I look around the room, I know what some of you are going through. And so if you're wondering, yes, this was written directly to you, written for you. And we're going to get into it because we are talking about unwrapping the gifts of Christmas in our series. And so I want to start off. I want us to sing that wonderful Christmas song. Together. Oh, Hakuna Matata. No, the Lord has come. You don't know this? Hakuna Matata, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. That's not how it starts. How's it start? How's it start? No, don't say it. Sing it. How's it start? That wasn't the whole song. Everybody stand up. Yeah, you got to stand up and do this. Why is it that Clark Griswold can do it with more oomph plugging in Christmas lights than we can right here, knowing that our, our Lord is coming? Let's try this again. Just that very first verse, like you really mean it from, from down in your, uh, what's that, your diaphragm. That's a musical thing. Down in here somewhere is your diaphragm. Help me out now. Right here we go. Right? One, two, three. Oh, keep going. That's nice. I'm not going to sing. I'm going to mess it up. Well done. All right. Oh, I forgot to do that, that part. There. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. All right. I'm, before you decide I've already had too much of Janet's fruitcake, um, I want you to know, I know it's joy to the world. I know it's not Hakuna Matata, but that Swahili phrase is made famous in 1994. Some of you weren't even born then. It, from the movie Lion King. Sometimes it seems to be the way that we approach joy this time of year. Eh, hukuna matata. I'm happy I'm not. The phrase means no worries. And in the movie The Lion King, it's sung by Tim, Timba, the meerkat, and a warthog named Pumbaa. 
they're trying to convince. Wait, did I do that? What? Oh, Timon and Pumbaa. I'm sorry. I get ex- it is. I have it written down right. I just get a little excited. Anyway, they're trying to convince Simba, who is the lion, young lion cub, lost his father, and they're trying to get him to forget about it and just live for the moment. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. It's their problem-free philosophy. It's kind of appealing, but no worries is not what the angels first proclaimed to the shepherds. Instead, they proclaimed good news of great joy for all people. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. As we approach Christmas, we often hear about joy and what a joyful season this is. And so we try to cram all these other feelings down inside. If we don't feel joyful, we try hard to create joy by hakuna matata, by just tossing other worries aside. Uh, buy now, pay later. Ah, we don't, I don't have the money for it. It's okay, toss it aside. No interest for six months. Come get whatever it is you wanted, that big gift. You deserve it. Hakuna Matata, joy to the world. There you go. Sometimes we ignore our deepest struggles and we just live for the moment. But that's not what the joy of Christmas is all about. And it may be nice for a moment, but it's shallow and it's short-lived. And the gift of joy that's offered to us in Jesus Christ this Christmas season is a joy. It's deep It's abiding joy. It's a joy so powerful it can hold its own in a dark and hurting world no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're about to embark on. In the midst of all of our troubles and our struggles, this joy can stand. We're going to talk a little bit later about how we experience joy throughout this Advent and Christmas season. But for now, I want to encourage each of you to come right now with yourselves into a spirit of honesty with God where you are. Don't cast your worries aside. Don't don't set aside something you're struggling with. Don't don't say, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Let it come out right now between you and God. You don't have to cast your worries aside to unwrap this gift of joy. By the way, Peter called it inexpressible and glorious. Listen to this. In 1 Peter 1.8, I said 1 Peter 1.8. 1 Peter 1.8, I knew what it was. I'm just excited. He says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with inexpressible and full of glory. Or sorry, with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. I'm going to unwrap this next present because it's my favorite one. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited and it's amazing. I give you the gift of joy, ladies and gentlemen. If you need to, you can take that home later or at least take a picture of it. But listen, it goes on. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, You greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Have you done that lately? Have you rejoiced in him with inexpressible and joy, full of joy? Or have you let your concerns and your worries and your bills and your job and your future or your past keep you from that? If you've been able to join us this past two weeks, you know, as I said, we started a, a journey through the season of Advent by, de- by unwrapping the gifts of hope and love. And we share that that's why they're there. And I've shared with you all, the word Advent means coming or arrival. And it's a season that's marked by expectation, by waiting, by anticipation, longing for Christ to come. It's not an extension of Christmas. It's a time of reflection that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share 
in my opinion, in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth and to be ready and alert for his second coming. During this season of Advent, we light candles which represent aspects of Jesus' coming to a world lost in darkness. As we celebrate with our candles this season, we will light an additional candle each week. And each flame brings us closer as Andrew and Mary come up to light the candle. Each flame brings us closer to the arrival of the true light of the world, Jesus. Born in Bethlehem, the first week of Advent, we lit the candle of hope. And I talked about hope past, hope present, and hope future. As we looked at a few of the prophecies about Jesus' coming, we were challenged to place our hope in Him, even in the middle of the trials of life. We're reminded again uh, that hope is to be fulfilled when He returns. Then last week, we lit the candle of love and we talked about how we accept His love, how we can experience God's love, how we can share the gift of God's love as we discover how wide and long and high and deep His love is for us. And today, the candle, the third candle we light is the one to experience the joy of the coming of our Savior into this world. This joy, as I said earlier, it's more than a feeling. It's a joy that causes all of creation to celebrate no matter what's happening. It's deep. It's powerful. It's the kind of rejoicing that's talked about in the Psalms, like Psalm 96, verse 11 through 13. Look at what this says. Before the Lord, He is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. <clears throat> he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. I just read the wrong thing. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, technology. I don't know what happened there. It, it should say. <laughs> I gave you the wrong verses, I think. We'll, we'll just put. Yeah, thank you. Go back to hope, love, peace. As we talk about joy, somewhere in the Bible it says this. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exalt and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Uh, before the, I don't know where I lost that verse. Anyways, before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge in the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And so I apologize for messing that all up. But the point is, he is coming. And in Advent, we're preparing, we're expecting Jesus and that he's coming. Let us rejoice in the gift that we've unwrapped today. But the question that really nags people sometimes is what if you just don't feel joy in this season? We see all the, the trappings of joy, wreaths and, and glitter and bows and trees and presents and gifts and all these things. And, and sometimes you don't feel the joy. So if you're just not feeling the joy, how do you receive this gift of joy? Even during suffering or loneliness or uncertainty or pain or grief or busyness or stress or boredom. Our kids are out of school. Some of them are already bored. They've been out since Friday. and They're like, oh, I'm so bored. I want to look today at how we can anticipate, recognize, and choose joy. First off, we can anticipate the joy. Have you ever been waiting for something for so long that you've given up hope that it would even arrive? I'll tell you, last year at, at, at the Christmas season in December, we were ordering supplies for Dylan for his diabetes. And, and they were set to ship 
And they were supposed to be at our house on the 22nd of December. Now, I knew there was going to be a problem there because anything that ships after like the 19th of December always gets messed up. We actually got his supplies the first week of January. We were anticipating, we were waiting every day. We were checking in transit, in transit. It's here, it's here. It took forever. 24-hour hold here. Part of it was crazy weather. Part of it was other things. The good news is there were people in our community that we didn't even know that offered some of those supplies to help us get through that. The point is we waited and we waited. And then when it finally got there, it was a good thing. Now, bring that fast forward. Everything arrived Thursday this week. So we're happy and we're set to move into the new year with what we need for him. But that anticipation, maybe... There, there are two types of families, uh, maybe three, but we'll stick with two types of families when it comes to Christmas. Some, they decorate the tree, they get everything all set up, but no presents go out until Christmas Eve, okay? But then there's other families that, that decorate, and they put up a tree, and, and throughout the whole month of December, like right after Thanksgiving, the tree goes up, or Thanksgiving Day, and, and then throughout the whole month, gifts are added, and they're added, and they're added, and then, and then you get to Christmas, and you're like, Oh, wow, this is so cool. And, and so there's two types, but, but both of those, I don't know which is worse. The anticipation of looking at the present every day, knowing it has your name on it, knowing the people love you or giving you a gift because they love you, and you look at it and you go, oh, that's going to be mine one day. I don't know what it is. And maybe you shake it. Are there any box shakers out there in the audience? Come on, truth, you're at church. Yeah, you see it, it's got your name on it, and you pick it up. Ooh, it's a puzzle, or I don't know. <laughs> maybe, you're, maybe as you were younger, your parents would put extra stuff in the box to throw you off the trail of what was in it. You'd pick it up and shake it and think it was something else. Or, or they'd go, ooh, it sounds like you broke it, and so you put it down. <laughs> so I don't know what's worse, seeing the gifts and not being able to open them, or seeing the emptiness under the tree and knowing that on Christmas, Christmas Eve, they're going to start coming out. I don't know which is worse, but the anticipation is still the same. Have you ever gotten a letter in the mail well after it was intended to arrive? Uh, besides our, we talked about that with our shipping snafu. Have some of you gotten letters like a month late or something like that? That is crazy. Listen, I, I read some stories I want to share with you. There are some letters, this, and I'm not here to make fun of the, of the postal system, okay? I love our, our postal workers, um, but there are some mistakes made and letters delivered literally years after they were sent. Think about that. Like you're talking with someone and like, hey, I sent you a letter. I'll be looking for it. And it never comes. A woman in her 80s in France received a letter in the mail that had been sent to her great grandfather in 1877. And she received this letter 138 years um, it, later. It was about an order of yarn for her great grandfather's spinning uh, mill. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine still living in a house that long, but but you know, <laughs> I can't stick. I can't stay there that long. <laughs> we had another, anyhow. The it was for yarn. I think that's cool. An even more poignant delivery was written. It was written about in the Washington Post in 2015. The letter reached its intended recipient 14 years later. It was written from a father in India to his son who lived in New York City, and it was handwritten a few short weeks after 9-11. But it was a bit confusing when it showed up in 2014. The man's father had died years earlier, 
As he described to the newspaper, uh, he said the man, he was just flooded with a deep reminder and a sense of connection to his late father. He said tears flooded his eyes as he held a physical object that was, that was created by his father. And, and it expressed his father's concerns for his son's safety, for his grandchildren. It expressed his love. It expressed his, his sadness and his, his thoughts about the, the world in, in, the, in that tragic time. And the son wrote 14 years, or he said, son, the son said, 14 years is a long time to wait for a letter, but rarely has one been more welcome. The expression of concern in this letter is, is still relevant, but that physical letter itself was a real joy for him. Certainly it was an unexpected joy, one that was on its way the whole time. The letter would have been meaningful had it arrived on time, but it took on a deeper, even deeper set of emotions over time. And joy can be that way for us too. Whether you know it or not, whatever you're going through right now, joy is coming. Whether we've given hope, given, given hope for its arrival or not, when we started Advent talking about hope, we looked at the history of the people of Israel who were waiting and waiting for a Messiah for thousands of years. For the prophecy to come true. That's a tough wait. And certainly some of the Israelites gave up hope. That the Messiah would even come. Some probably just carried on. Got distracted with life. Hakuna Matata. Not thinking they would ever even see the coming of the Messiah. But others held out hope. And they, and they shared the, the, the prophecy with their families. And their waiting was active. You see when we wait. When we engage in active waiting anticipating what is to come, watching for it, then the waiting has a purpose. Hope stays alive. Joy is similar. Even when we don't feel joy right now, we can anticipate the coming of joy to the world and the gift of Jesus. We can prepare to move from our state of discouragement or our state of oblivion into an experience of life-giving joy. The shepherds in the Christmas story are a good example of that. When the angels showed up and delivered a message to the shepherds on a hillside, just outside of Bethlehem, they did not immediately feel joy. When the angel appeared, the shepherds did not feel joy. They were scared to death. <laughs> they're minding their business. They're with their sheep. Angels show up. That was their version of a UFO, if you're wondering. Luke talked about it in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. If I did this well... Uh, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born, to you, born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel first addressed their fear. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. They addressed their fear. Then they helped them move beyond the fear to receive the message. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. That includes us. They moved beyond it. The message that the Savior, the Messiah, the one that Israel had been waiting for so long had been born. And by the end of the night, those shepherds got it. Luke said in verse 20 of chapter 2, he said, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. As we walk through this season, we know what's coming. We know that the Christ, the Messiah, has come. 
And this we can celebrate and rejoice over. We also know there's more to come because he's going to return. We can anticipate that, but let's experience this season as we anticipate the arrival of joy. Even when we struggle with the realities of today. And no matter what we're going through, we need to recognize joy. And that's the second thing I want to share with you about joy, the gift of joy. We need to recognize it. Do you ever wonder, and I'm going to get into this later uh, on, on December 30th, but do you ever wonder why, out of all the people in the world, the wise men, they were the only ones who recognized and followed the star of Bethlehem. It was a star. It, it was in the sky. Everybody could see it. They didn't have special stargazing. Oh, there's the perfect star. They didn't have special glasses for that. Everybody could see the star. But most people, Jews and Gentiles alike, didn't recognize its meaning. Oh, that one's shining a little brighter than usual. Okay. For these men who did, it caused great joy. Matthew says in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. When was the last time you rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? And what was it for? New car, new bicycle, your new dishwasher. I don't know what, I don't know what excites you. <laughs> After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They rejoiced exceeding, with exceeding great joy. Those magi, those wise men, they traveled a long way to find the one whose birth was announced by the star. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you've ever traveled through the desert on a camel, carrying all of your belongings in your house with you. But I have traveled from here to Florida. I remember one trip to, from Florida to Huntsville, and I had two, was it two flat tires? Talk about first world problems. Yeah, right before Christmas. We Huh? Yeah, and nothing was open. It was great. We, I felt like those guys, like I had a place to go. I had to get there. Literally, we had, we had two flat tires. And, and the second one that went flat was not the spare, just so you know. But we found a place. and So I know what that's like, but I guarantee you they had hardship. I, I know enough about the desert, and I know enough about that area to be dangerous. They have these things called dust storms. And let me tell you, when those things kick up, you get sand in places you didn't even know you had places. It's like a bad day at the beach. It's rough. They endured hardship. They even lost sight of the star for some time. I don't know why, but they lost sight of it. But they still knew what they were doing. They still had joy. They still were going in the direction. They had to deal with a deceptive tyrant, King Herod, who was lying to them. When you find him, come tell me where he is. I want to celebrate with you. Yeah, that was king talk for I want to kill the baby. 
They knew what they were looking for. And they kept seeking even when things went wrong, even when things were tough. They recognized the arrival of joy in the world and they were filled with joy as they responded to it, bringing their gifts and worship to Jesus. Sometimes it can be hard to recognize joy in our lives, especially because it doesn't always look the way we expect it to. We expect joy to be free of worry and hardship. We kind of expect joy to be a hakuna matata kind of thing. The Bible tells us that joy is found in the midst, in the middle of, and even because of hard things. As a matter of fact, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 tells us this. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And I think, what in the world is he talking about? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Consider it joy because God is going to test you during this. Dean, the testing of your faith produces endurance. Read James chapter 1. Because that goes on to other things that are produced in that. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. There's most definitely not a Hakuna Matata brand of joy right there. That is not at all what James is saying. But how much richer and deeper is the experience of joy when it glows bright, illuminating our path in the middle of our darkness? If we're anticipating the joy of Christ's return, we can recognize that joy when it comes from trials because they produce perseverance. And that makes us into the people of, that God wants us to be. And we can choose joy even in the middle of hard times. And that's the third thing I want to talk to you about joy. It's a choice. We can choose joy. The idea that we can choose joy, it's a little bit deceiving though because we can't just close our eyes and focus really hard and poof, conjure up joy. It doesn't quite work that way. In fact, it often leads us away from joy. But joy is a gift. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Like self-control, that means it's it's something you have. It, It grows in you. So we can't just create it by trying harder. But we can choose to live in the ways that God says bring joy no matter what's going on around us. I always say to people, the only thing you have to do is honor God. No matter what everybody else is doing, you honor God and you will have joy. The concept is similar to physical health. We can't get stronger by thinking about running a marathon. It doesn't work that way. You can't just mentally choose to be stronger. If we could, I wouldn't look like this. We have to exercise. We have to build muscles that make us stronger. We can't just concentrate and choose joy, but we can choose to give thanks no matter what's going on, and we can choose to obey, and we can choose to abide in Him. When we do these things, we open ourselves up to the gift of joy. Let's look a little bit closer at these practices. We can choose gratitude. Choose gratitude, and it will help you to have joy. When you don't feel joyful, give thanks. Give thanks anyways. Try it out loud even. You're driving in the car and you're upset, you're angry about something, just start giving thanks out loud. The people around that are in the other cars will think you've lost your mind. Thank you, Lord, for this car that I'm driving. Start there. Start with something simple, but give thanks. Name three reasons you had to be thankful for. Right now, everybody shout out one thing you're thankful for. Family. How many people said family? Yeah. There it is. You're not alone. And if you're alone with your real family, 
Look around you. You've got this church family of all these crazy people that are going to love you no matter what. This is my family. Whether you like it or not, you're stuck with me. My parents have passed away. My grandparents have passed away. We're family. Some of you are like, I didn't want Cousin Eddie in my family. (laughs) That's close enough. We'll go with it. But just when you're feeling that, no matter what's going on, three things that you're thankful for. Maybe you need to make a list and write them down and put it on your phone. And when you get in one of those slumps, you pull that out and you look at it and remind yourself that you're thankful for family. You're thankful for your job. You're thankful for health. You're thankful for cookies that you're going to go buy in the back. There's some amazing stuff back there, by the way. I can't wait. (laughs) See, when when you write out that list, it's counterintuitive to what we normally do. We don't feel joyful. We'd rather gripe and complain about something. Instead, give thanks. Open your heart to joy. It's why Paul instructed the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says this. Pray, hey, say this with me. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. How about that? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. If you're doing that, no matter what's going on, there will be joy because of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. In everything, give thanks For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whatever you're going through right now, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And persevere through it. Choose joy. You know what? When you don't know what to do, when you feel overwhelmed by the season, when you feel anything but joy, give thanks. Choose to obey. 1 John 15, 11, Jesus said this, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Think about that for a second. Jesus had just shared all this stuff with his disciples and he said, I have spoken this to you so that my joy may be in you. Jesus wants his joy to be in you and that your joy will be made full. And not just a little full, like we're talking the cup overrunning full. Choose to obey. You see, he told his disciples the secret of joy is obedience. We don't really like that. We like to do things on our own terms. But I promise you, when you do life on God's terms and you choose to honor him, You will have joy no matter what's happening around you. Because you are not alone. I always say God plus one is a majority. If he's the only thing, the only person you have to turn to, you're ahead of the game. Matter of fact, in John 15, 10, Jesus told his followers to obey his commands. We often just want joy to appear from out of nowhere. But Jesus said it comes from obedience. And like gratitude, obedience is a practice. It's a process of seeking to follow God's ways and to put his ways into action. We don't always get that right. But the more we align ourselves with the word of God to understand his ways and then choose those actions that align with him, with his word, with his wisdom, the more we open up ourselves to experience the good fruit of those choices. And the more we prepare ourselves to encounter and receive his joy 
uh, choose to abide. Read John chapter 15 this week. It tells us uh, the second part of the secret of joy is there. Read it for yourselves because Jesus said that just as he remains in his father's love, we remain in his love. And our joy is complete. It's not an immediate, quick, satisfaction, fast, fast food service concept. It's the idea of continual love, continual relationship with Jesus Christ that brings the gift of joy into our lives. Jesus, in John 15, used the metaphor of a vine in that passage because he was describing a process of ongoing growth and nourishment that produces good fruit. And the same is true in our relationship with him. The same is true. Our joy is made complete by imitating Christ's love and his obedience. As we come to our response time this morning, I've been praying that this time would be a time for you to express your joy, your gratitude, your obedience. Let this be the day that you truly begin abiding in his love as we anticipate the joy he brings this Christmas. If you'd like to pray or talk with the elders about what that looks like in your life, they're here. They'd love to, to pray with you this morning. Maybe for you, your first step of abiding in him and experiencing joy is to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry is ready. We even have something you can change into if you didn't bring something to wear. Whatever your response is this morning, will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to God's word accordingly and with exceedingly great joy.